Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Soul Podcast. My name is Melissa. And I am Sammy, and we are your hosts. This is a podcast about life, inspirational stories about facing life's challenges, rising through the obstacles to find happiness, success, abundance, and love. So grab yourself your favorite warm drink, get comfortable, and prepare to be inspired. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two of Shauna's story. In case you missed it, or if you are in need of a refresher, here's where we left off. Shauna's mom had unfortunately just passed away after battling cancer. Shauna's stepdad had just called her to give her the news and told her that her brother was coming to view their mother's body. Shauna had just made the decision that she would also go. Please join us as Shauna continues the rest of her story. So they were in the room next to us. So, and I, I'm, I'm glad I did. But so I went with my brother. And so Peter, my husband had to stay with our daughter. My husband and his wife came who was not his wife at the time, but we went. And I mean, it's what you think it is. Like we walked into the room, like dim lights. And my stepdad is sitting with her and she's passed and she's in her hospital bed. And we walked over and like, Hey, like, I like what, like it what do you do? Like, it's a dead body. And um, it's my mom. And so then we sat in the room with her and eventually somehow got telling funny stories about my mom. Um, And the three of us sat there until five o'clock in the morning, just telling stories. And until you've sat with death and not just at a funeral, like not filtered makeup flowers suits until you've sat with the smells and the feelings and the sights and all the things that are real you can't you can't talk about it and it is a completely isolating experience because some people might think like wow and like you sat with and told stories it was like what else are you going to do? Like we told my stepdad we would wait with him. And what has been wonderful to come out of that and also at the same time tragic is little things mean absolutely nothing and cause zero emotion in me anymore. I'm still the type of person that gets worked up over the most mild inconvenience. And I still have that personality, but... I lost the ability to feel anything for other people that go through anything I perceive as not being that tough, which has helped and very much hindered me since then. I also, my my brother, we were all leaving. My stepdad finally said, like, look, guys, like, you need to go to sleep. They're taking a long time. I'm fine. I promise. Let's meet for breakfast. <laughs> go home or go back to the hotel, rest, we'll meet for breakfast. So as we're leaving, my brother walks up and kisses my mom on the forehead and says like, bye, I love you. And so I thought, well, I should do the same. That's the one part of that evening that I regret very much because it had been hours at this point that she had passed and I don't want to get too like grim, but it, I don't, I, I wish I didn't have that memory and I wish I had not done that. But I did and whatever it is what it is. Um, and then we, I don't know, slept for a little bit. I texted 
my amazing friend in St. Albert and said, like, mom's gone. I texted my friend here as well and said, mom's gone. And both of them, of course, like, what can I do? Like, we're here for you. We love you. And I texted my St. Albert friend and I said, I don't know what to do. Normally, if I'm this sad, I talk to my mom. So she called, like, what else can she do? She called me. Um, at this whole time, though, Amelia needs to be fed and she's crying. And my breasts were so sore because I didn't want to touch her. I could not breastfeed her. I was so mad at her. This little seven-week-old baby with her insides on her outside. <laughs> and my poor, just exhausted husband who also has just lost his mom. I couldn't touch her. And like I left at one point and I went to Tim Hortons drive through because I was starving and the place we were all going for breakfast wasn't open. And I went through the drive through and it was like, good morning. Welcome to Tim Hortons. What can I get you? And it was my first experience and certainly not my last of literally wanting to tell that person immediately. My mom just died because the world should stop when something like that happens. And it doesn't. And she, this light, this like positive, infuriating, suffocating light just left the world and nobody knows. And just the weight of how am I going to be a mom without my mom, who I texted every day and talked to on the phone every other day and literally ran every decision by her. And we watched the same shows just so we could talk about it. And how the hell was I going to do that? Also, not even thinking about the mothering side. How am I just going to be in a world without my mom? <laughs> um, and people, my my dad, I love him very much. He wasn't trying to do anything wrong, but he posted on Facebook. I had texted him to say mom passed. So they're divorced, but they maintained a friendship. Texted him to say mom passed. And I don't, he, he posted on Facebook for some reason. <laughs> Um, a beautiful, lovely tribute to my mom. But then what happened is my phone blew up nonstop. And my grandma called me. My little old grandma called me repeatedly. I didn't answer. I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anybody. If I talked to anybody, I wanted to talk to my like two specific friends and that's it. We ended up meeting my stepdad at um, for breakfast. <laughs> and I mean, he, you know, he like went through the motions and he really wanted to go for dinner again that night. Like, okay. Like we decided to stay another night. I, I don't even like remember the rest of it really. Uh, and then like that happened, mom decided she had said long before she didn't want a funeral. She didn't want anything. Um, we eventually had a little ceremony, just myself, my stepdad, my husband, my brother and his wife. But so there was no funeral to plan. There was there was nothing. It just was done. Um, and she was gone. And now I'm a mom. And now my whole focus is being a mom and being a mom of this child who has this incredibly terrifying medical condition. And I was so alone. And my St. Albert friend who also had a family and had a life and had work and had everything flew across the country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Real crying right now. We're all <laughs> with you. We're with you. She flew across the country to come and stay with me and a newborn. Like who the hell wants to do that? 
and may it meant having to leave her little her little girl and she did that and she cooked like a hundred freezer meals for me and she ate junk with me and she went out and we did like a mom day with no baby and with baby and she just carried on and she would talk about mom if I wanted to or just be her and my husband has said like she saved our lives because we we were just so alone because what happens is people get over it right people that aren't immediately affected as much as their intentions it's out of sight out of mind so not only did I not have a baby shower because I didn't know if she was going to live. So there's no point. We didn't have a coming home party. We didn't, we didn't do any of that. Everybody just went about their life and it just, we're just left like with this baby and my husband was still at work and we just were dealing with everyday normal parenting stuff. Um, and I would go out and my my friend said while she was here, like, you you need to start meeting moms. Like, you have to. Like, you, you can't mother alone, right? Like, you, you need a tribe. And so she forced me to set up a date <laughs> with another mom. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing at the situation <laughs> over here. With the Kleenex. No. Um, but what happened was I didn't want to hear other moms complain about their baby that has hiccups or their baby that you know cries when they drop them off at their mom's or that their mother-in-law is so frustrating or I I we we can't decide where to go on our date night when mom and dad watch the baby like I I could, I had, I could not relate to anybody. I would say almost immediately because I was like compelled to tell people this monumental thing of like, my mom just died. Like my mom died and I would get back. Oh, like that's hard. Or I, my grandma died two weeks ago. Like that's hard. Like I, I just, I couldn't Stand it. I couldn't stand to be around anybody else who was not in this insufferable grief, still trying to get up. I would get messages from family that said, I don't know how you do it. Or from acquaintances, I don't know how you do it. Well, because I don't have a fucking choice is how I do it. Like, I don't want to, but I like, fuck. Like, instead of saying, I don't know how you do it, come fucking help me is what I wanted to say. And like, that's why, like, I have like that friend who came and it's like she had her shit but she came and she showed up and that's the thing of people don't because people are uncomfortable and they don't know what to say and they don't know what to do so the easiest thing is to not show up so what I would say is anybody who has been in situations like this just how do you want me to show up for you that's invaluable like just ask that question how can I help you? How do you want me to show up? What do you need? And if the person says nothing, I'm good. They're lying. So ask again. Just do something. <laughs> Don't ask again. Just do something. Yeah. yeah. Drop off a meal. I don't care. Come clean a toilet. In the grief, specifically the grief piece of that is people are scared to talk about my mom. And I hate that. I love talking about my mom. I cry basically every single time. 
but I love talking about my mom. And I have this acquaintance that I worked with and who once um, changed shifts so that I could go with my mom to um, a chemo appointment. And so she, and so my mom being my mom bought her a Starbucks gift card and wrote her a beautiful letter. And so every year when that anniversary of that comes up, she messages me that picture and says, I still think about your mom. And I I love that. I love hearing about my mom and people don't talk about it. And people grieve in very different ways. My stepdad doesn't talk about my mom. He has, and I, and I'm not in his body. I don't know what he feels, but he's moved on. So there are like, there's nobody left that, that talks about her because like my husband and my brother, of course, like being men typically don't always bring stuff up, right? Or don't like emotions is not their first go-to. So we'll talk about it if I say it, but that's it. So I I would talk about her every day. My daughter, um, she knows about death, whether that's good or bad. She's known since she was little that my mommy passed away and that's her granny. And we talk about granny and granny lives in our hearts. And if we listen, we can feel her love and we can send her love and we can feel her love back. And my daughter, she's my daughter, so she's got a lot of emotions and will every now and then cry and say, I just miss granny so much. And I said like, I miss granny too, honey. Let's, let's send her love and let's feel love. And she'll do this thing, which just gets me every time where she'll randomly come over and hug me. She'll put her head on my heart and she'll say, I'm hugging granny, (sighs) which is like, like it's beautiful and sad. And I don't know if I did the right thing in death being such a part of her life but also I know there's other people and I like I've listened obviously to your podcast that where that's a hard conversation for me it's not because I've had it with her since she was a newborn I have so many videos of her as an as a itty bitty little babbler having these epic conversations with the wall and is she's talking to my mom like I 100% believe like that's what she's doing and she used to have these long conversations in her crib at night and like I that's what we think so for me especially just mom knowing she was gonna die like talking about death is just easy for lack of a better word it's it's easy for me um not that it's doesn't bring up emotion not that it's not hard but it's a fact of life. And so I think if we normalize it and had I had more of an ability at the time to allow myself to feel what I was eventually going to feel 10 times worse, I might not have been hit so hard. Um, Because I had to not only parent through that, be in a marriage through that, do life through that. I, it was almost like I had no warning that she was going to die. And I don't want to compare that to somebody who legit had no warning that somebody was going to die. That's a very different thing. But I, the shock I felt was so real of like, oh my God, like, what do you mean she's dead? And so I was, instead of taking that time to like prepare and have deep conversations about life and all of that, I just was in denial. I had said to my mom when she said, I have three months, I said, can you start writing down every piece of advice you can think of for me in life and as a mom? Because I don't know what to do. Like I was pregnant, right? And I said, I, I don't, I don't know how to be a mom. 
And she said, I will. I'm already working on it. I will. She didn't. My letter, she had letters for people. My letter was unfinished. It was about two paragraphs long. And I, when I got it, I read it and I cried to my friend who has three kids. And I said, she didn't finish her letter to me. And she has three kids. They're like a little bit older. Like at the time, I think her youngest was five. And she said, because yours is the hardest to write. That's why she didn't finish it. And it's like, okay, I have that. I spent, and I had an obsession with searching her laptop and her phone and any paperwork I could find looking for the rest of the letter, convinced that she has some wisdom for me somewhere. Um, and eventually I'll get to the place of understanding that she was my mom for 33, what are we, 35 years. Um, so she already gave me wisdom, but I needed that piece, um, that extra piece. And coming to terms with that has been really difficult. Trying to work through debilitating postpartum depression that also I think was like grief, right? Um, it, it's been so hard. Like I just, I wanted to do better for my kids. And I would say I only just started doing better for my kids. And I now have two. My mom's never met my son, right? She never got to hold my son. Um, so grief for a lot of people that are on the outside, it ends. It's sad and it ends and you go on with your life. But for me, every single day, and as moms, you can attest to this, there's always something new. There's always something noteworthy that you want to tell your people and or ask about. And every single day, and I still, almost five years later, find myself like, oh, I haven't talked to my mom for a while. Or, oh, I got to tell mom this. Or I got to tell. I'm like, fuck. And you can't predict when it's going to hit you. And I used to cry at bedtime every night putting my daughter to bed because for whatever reason, that moment just was really difficult. Basically, <laughs> I guess what I'm, I'm trying to get to like kind of, I guess, advice for of what I would say to somebody going through it because I searched, I found a lot. There's a lot of dealing with grief and losing a mom and that's, that's out there. I couldn't specifically at the time find anything that was like, I have a seven week old baby and just held my mom's hand while she died. Um, or I have a seven-week-old baby with a major medical complication and my mom just died. So I couldn't find that anywhere. And I couldn't relate to other people who lost their mom when they're a lot older. My mom had just turned 60. She was one month into her 60th year. And I saw the stepmom of one of my friends and she hugged me and she said, her mom had just passed. So this woman who's hugging me, whose mom just passed, she's 60. Her mom was 80 something. And she hugged me and she said, I know how you feel. I'm so angry for you right now. I'm so angry for you right now. Oh, sorry. Oh, man. Okay. And I get that it it came from love. It came from her. I just want to say, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, like, yeah, you do. Like, you don't know how I feel. How dare you? Like, your mom is 80. Did you just have a newborn baby for the first time? Like, what? But what I said was nothing. I just nodded my head. 
Because like, I want to punch that person for you right yeah. now. Like, yeah. Oh my and god, I, I want to punch that person for you. I acknowledge. I acknowledge that it came from love, and it came from the human nature of wanting to participate in someone else's grief. I understand that. <laughs> I would much rather she just hug me. Like, in fact, don't, because my friend had said she's so. How I interacted with that person is literally the day after when we got home. So we stayed two nights. I called my friend. We had originally had plans to have Easter dinner there because she, my mom died Easter weekend. And I called and said, I want to still come to dinner. And she was like, okay, like if that's what you want to do. I actually don't remember anything other than as we were leaving and her stepmom hugging me because I obviously was so out of it, but <laughs> Anyway, I mean, I could go on forever <laughs> about this topic. I, I try to think of advice that I want to give. And really, it's just for the people going through it, ask for help, get help. Um, I needed a lot of help and I got it. And it was very scary at times, my depression. And I didn't realize how deep I was in it until I got help. Um, and then the fog would start to lift and that help included therapy and medication. And until that fog started to lift, did I realize how very dangerous I was not to my child ever, but to myself, I didn't realize how deep into the depression that I was. So ask for help, accept help. And then for people surrounding someone else who is going through that, ask them how you, they need you to show up. And then don't stop showing up because people stop and show up one time and think that's good enough. Yeah. Can I ask how long, like how long after it was, you say the fog started lifting? Because I think that that's not that there's a timeline for anybody or anyone's thing is the same, but I think sometimes we can be hard on ourselves because it's not Mm -hmm. soon enough. So there's sort of two, like I had to do it twice, essentially. So, and I don't even know if I'm done, but I, what's, what's funny is like our medical system is so broken because I did, what's that called? The Edinburgh test where like you write your postpartum and you go for like your checkup and you write, and I've done it before. I've done therapy. I like, I know, and I know I scored terrible and the resident picked up the paper and said, Oh, okay. Any questions? And sent me on my way. Yeah. And I was like, do you remember what your score was when they said that? I don't remember, but I like it. Like I was suicidal. Like, <laughs> like, um, I'm the one who searched out medication because my mom was bipolar manic depressive. I grew up knowing that. I grew up knowing medication is what helped her and what saved her life. And so I'm not shy. I'm not scared of medication. I'm not scared of talking about it. There's no stigma. Medication is a tool that helps you when you need it. Um, one of the tools. And so. I sought out medication and said, like, I am having deep thoughts or like dark thoughts and it, the days are too hard and like, I need this. So I had to fight to get myself on antidepressants. Um, I started therapy. I joined and a virtual now keep in mind, we moved into COVID too. Uh, my mom died April 19th, 2019. Mm-hmm. So we were in COVID like not that long after, right? That's Lockdown. All of that. Yeah. So that was a whole, right? Like just added a whole other level of 
stuff. But I sought virtual therapy, and like virtual mom group, and medication, and I started walking, and I got really obsessed with walking, uh, which I think is a good thing, but it just was another form of denial in a way. However, it got me out of the house. Um, I also, though, was dealing with debilitating prolapse symptoms. So oh. I was extremely active. I like lifted weights three, four times a week with a personal trainer right up until I was eight months pregnant with prolapse. And because doctors don't care about medical, female medical issues, it was like, yeah, I mean, so like, your bladder's falling out, like whatevs, just go about your life, just don't lift anything, don't do anything. So I stopped all forms of physical activity. So like a lot of those things compounded. So once I got on medication, once I started walking a little bit more, talking more, all of that, I, then I would say the fog lifted. She was around, I think it was like the end of that winter. So like, I mean, she was like close to a year old before the fog was really lifting. Is that when it first, you said there was two, is that the first one or is that? Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's the first one. Okay. Um, because there was another one. So I, COVID essentially then like towards the end, right. Cause Ontario we're like more locked down for longer and whatnot really ramped that up more. And what was also happening was her medical appointments were getting less and less, which is great. However, the doctors and the nurses were my tribe they're the people that I confided in postpartum and reached out to and felt comfortable with and knew my story. And that was what I did. I was a medical mom. Like I, you know, I planned for her appointments. I packed for her appointments. I went to her appointments. I recorded everything. I kept track and that's what I did. And that was my role. And they slowly started to dwindle because she was doing phenomenal. Like I, you know, we're in lockdown. My appointments are done. Like it just, then I really, without realizing, started like sliding back and I had transitioned. So then in the middle of that, I was pregnant again and I miscarried again. So it turns out it was, I say tumor baby because I use humor to deflect, but it was not, it was at no time a fetus. It was like a benign tumor that mimics pregnancy however all the hormones all the everything the feelings all of that is all like you may as well be pregnant so yeah I miscarried and so had to have a dnc like all like that whole thing so like it was around there that it just kind of went down and again like not having my mom so then every little thing that happened was like but I can't talk to my mom and I can't talk to my mom and what happened was friends even the most incredible amazing friends would get you get sick of hearing it as much as you try to hide there was one conversation where it was not at all about my mom and I said something to the effect of you know it's like when mom died and there was a very audible and I don't fault that person because I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of that and to what I'm sure is constantly here about this sad thing that you don't want to hear about all the time right but for me, it was like, but it's it's not new. Like, I don't care if it's five years, whatever. I was talking to a therapist who was terrible and I ended up switching. But the first appointment, I was I reached out because I said, like, I think I need to deal with this grief piece. I think it's not just like emphalocele and my terrible pregnancy and delivery. I think it's like the grief is holding me back. And 
she said, so when did your mom die? And I said, well, she died, whatever the timeline was, three years ago, four years ago. And she said, oh, the way you talk, I thought she just died. And like, but that's how it feels. <laughs> like, therein lies the problem, right? As I was experiencing it over and over and over again, as if it was fresh every day. Mm -hmm. um, so just again, through constant talking, I am now on a far just healthier lifestyle and have really tried to make myself as physically and mentally healthy as possible for my kids. Um, that has helped. So I don't need medication anymore at the moment, not to say I won't again, but what helped me get out of that fog was um, just finding a great pelvic floor physiotherapist to help with that stuff, realize that I can do physical movement again, having another medical issue corrected, which was causing just constant severe sore throats that is sorted. So like dealing with me, so the underlying theme is like I took care of myself and thus like I started to feel better and guess what now I'm a better mom and you know so it's um, I th was just listening to one of your episodes and your guest I think it was Chris was talking about uh, like you can't pour from an empty cup and like put your mask on first and it's like it literally people laugh at that but like it's true and I I was such and I can't get the years back, but I was in such a fog and I was such an angry mom for so long. And I, every day is just a, a struggle to try to do a little bit better than I did the day before um, and find my own identity as a mom, <laughs> I guess. Like, yeah, because the grief doesn't stop. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. It doesn't, it's as fresh now as it was then. You... Roz Weston, who is a TV and radio personality who has an amazing book called A Little Bit Broken and also is the host of Roz and Mocha podcast. Um, he's phenomenal. He lost his father when he was younger and he has always said something to the effect of it doesn't get better, but it gets easier or it doesn't get easier, but it does get better. So just because it's just because I can carry it doesn't mean it isn't heavy. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, recognizing someone else's pain helps. For me, it helps. For somebody to say like, damn, that's hard. Mm -hmm. That helps. And sure, that says a lot about me that I need this external validation, but it does. It helps because sometimes doing the most basic stuff that is required of just a person in general and then of a mom of two, that's all I can do that day sometimes. Yeah. But I do it. I think, and obviously very different experiences, not comparing, but just people saying things to you is it's when it feels hard, someone saying you're so strong, you can do this is like, I fucking know I'm doing it. That's not what I need to yeah. hear. But someone yeah. saying this fucking sucks. How can I help yeah. you? Is like yeah. validating that you're feeling hard and offering to help a thing. Just someone acknowledging mm -hmm. that this shit's hard because you, I don't know, I maybe, and I don't want to speak on to you, but like, you you know you can handle it you know that you, not that you know you can handle it but you know you're strong you have to be you don't have a choice mm -hmm. but people will brush it off so someone acknowledging that it's hard yeah right is that what you're saying like is like yeah it, exactly like I I mean moms in general have so much expectation put on them uh right regardless of any other difficulties that are happening being a mom you need to do it to the utmost to your ability um, so any mom 
benefits from being told, damn, that's a hard job. Like you're doing a good job, right? Regardless. Uh, And then somebody who is struggling through grief or through like medical issues or like a child who has these medical things or like it just to me, for me and not everybody, but for me, somebody saying like, wow, I see you. Right. And that's, and I think Chris was saying that too, of like, I just, I see you. And I, like I said, I had so many messages. I don't know how you did it. Like, just say like, wow, you're doing it. Yeah. Like, even like you're saying, oh, you know, you're strong. I don't even necessarily, it's not even that I feel strong. It's not even like, it's just, you have to this is my story. This is my struggle. So maybe we can let go of the fact that my kid doesn't have a bent go box for lunch and like acknowledge that she's dressed and happy and out of the house. Like maybe that's my win for the day mm-hmm. and that's okay. And you know, I know I'm all over the place, but not at all. <laughs> not at all. Kind of resonating with somebody. Not at all. Kind of, I it just kind of going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier but where you're saying I don't have a choice like how are you yeah. doing this I have to there's no yeah. choice like this What's is the alternative like, give me one please <laughs> yeah this is just what has to happen yeah and like the what I had said of like just because I can carry it, it doesn't mean it's not heavy. So just because I can do it and just because I, I don't choose to be a depressed crying ball in front of my kids all the time doesn't mean I wouldn't rather be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and work out now and I lift weights so that I don't do that. What's been difficult for me to continue to mother through grief is I, somebody who maybe hasn't experienced this will think it's, I can't picture my kids. I'll just say it because I, <laughs> the lead up. I don't picture my kids older. I can't picture them older. I don't know if that's a common thing. I don't know. But I I can't picture them at 10 years old, 12, 15, whatever, because I don't think I'm going to be there. Okay. I, I think of it as like, and that's what has been difficult with my daughter of, I don't want her to love me as much as I love my mom, because I don't want her to go through what I went through and going through every day. Oh. But, and, and it sounds really dramatic, but I literally struggle with that. And I still get angry at her because of all of that. When like, she's this perfect being that had like zero responsibility for any of that, but I still have that. And I still work through that every day. And I still have to actively randomly hug her and let her come and hug me and remember that she's this little human who needs this love and attention and because she's my kid needs all that much more love and attention because we need all the attention we have all the emotion (laughs) um (laughs) and like my husband said like how much attention do you need like all of it that's (laughs) um it's because my daughter is the same and my husband is the same as well his dad has passed and so he's dealt with his own amount of grief and we feel like we won't be there that is also what's driving me to get healthy is attempting to be there though. I admit that in the back of my mind, I'm like, but I won't be anyway. Like I'm, it's so strange. It's so trying to teach her. And I find myself forcing these lessons that she's too little to learn because what if I'm not there to teach her? 
And I already, I write down because my mom didn't get to do it. I write down advice and stuff because it's like, what if I die tomorrow? You need all these lessons that I didn't get. Um, And I did get them. My mom was there and was very present for 35 years. But when you say I won't be there, that can be like two different ways. Like I won't be there because I'm planning not to be or I won't be there because. Oh, God, no. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, it didn't occur to me that it might sound like that. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. Sorry. No, because my mom, she, so the doctors believe that um, her tumor was likely growing for eight years. She ignored symptoms for around five, six years. Wow. Um, Did not go to the doctor. Had she gone, maybe things would be different. So colon cancer can be genetic, right? You have a higher chance of getting it. So my grandma had colon cancer. My mom had colon cancer. Colon cancer is very much in our family. As a result, I have to do all the preventative stuff. So I now get to start doing colon colonoscopies. Super fun. Um, but I'm doing it. I I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go and do it. I don't want to live through the exact procedures and pain that my mom went through. But I'm doing it because I'm trying to be there and I'm getting healthier so that I can be there for my kids. But I just believe I won't be given that opportunity because of illness or something like not in any way my choice. I'm fighting very hard to make it somebody else's choice (laughs) and not mine. But that's the piece that's kind of difficult is like being in the present and just like just enjoy this moment. It doesn't matter that she's not learning this life lesson. Like I'm not Sarah Connor that has to impart all of this information so that like Amelia can rid the world of robots. Like (laughs) it's Terminator reference. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But that's what I mean is it gave me this resiliency that I didn't know I have, like living through that. It gave me clearly some strength that I didn't know I had and often don't recognize and gave me the ability to just keep getting back up. But it also, it it took a lot of hope and I don't want to make my kids hopeless. So I spent a great deal of my time faking positivity and hope. And I just want other people, if they're going through it and they're feeling like that, or they're, that's resonating to try and work on that. Like that's an important piece Um, and kids pick up on how we feel. And even if we're really good actors, so it's really important that we look after ourselves so we can do a better job for them. Yeah, man, Shauna, like I can't even express enough gratitude for you opening up your heart and your life and your experiences to us. I know I'm a total stranger and I know anybody else is going to hear this (laughs) is a total stranger. And so like, Holy shit is all I have to say. <laughs> I wish I could give you a hug and like no, I do like, something for reaching you. Right out. Thank you. Hug you. <laughs> so much. Honestly, like I've said, like, oh, I hope this helps somebody and I hope it resonates. But honestly, like it's just so cathartic for me. Like I I mean, anybody who knows me knows like I love to talk about myself. So like doing this was a no-brainer. But also I just firmly believe in talk therapy in any form, whether it's with a professional or what, just talk about your feelings. Cause for me, I know when I don't talk about it, then I like, it becomes other things and it takes over. And so I hope I tried to get like so much out and I, I hope it's not too chaotic for listeners. I hope that I didn't ramble too much. I don't know. Oh, perfect. 
thank you so much, Sean, for being on here and like sharing this story with us and your yeah. heart and your soul and everything you've gone through and everything you overcome and everything you continue to go through and the pieces of advice that you've offered people. Like I, this is going to impact people in ways that I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't cry. I don't, I don't cry. And I cried three times, <laughs> like literally <laughs> real tears. I didn't cry when my children were born. I didn't cry at my wedding, like th- at least three, maybe four. So this was amazing. Thank you so much, Shauna. Like it's incredible. Seriously. Yeah. I echo with that. I think that there's definitely going to be, I mean, if there's people going through something remotely similar or even not, I think there's a lot of inspiration that can be had here to, you know, in how to do a lot of things in life. Thank you. I I so appreciate you guys like taking two hours to just listen to my all over the place stuff. Um, and that I, I just, I hope people know like they're not alone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Please feel free to find us on our Instagram page at thehappysoul.podcast and share with us your biggest takeaway from today's episode. We can't wait to see you again next time on The Happy Soul Podcast. With love, Sammy and Melissa.